You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. Father, we just praise your holy name. Just tell them that you love them. Father, we, we just love you and we praise you. And Lord, I am so thankful that you are faithful even when I'm faithless. Father, I'm so thankful that you're good even when I don't deserve you to be good. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning and your compassions never fail. Thank you that great, Lord, great is your faithfulness. I thank you that every inclination you have towards me is good. That your love is unfailing. Thank you that you're merciful and you're mighty. Thank you that you destroy the enemy by the breath of your mouth. Thank you that you're mighty to save, that your arm is not too short, that it cannot deliver, Lord. Thank you that you came to set captives free, to release prisoners from darkness, that you really do want to bind up our broken hearts, Lord. Thank you that you want to perfect everything that concerns us. Thank you that you are our shepherd and, and, and that you, you, you really will make it that we don't want for anything. That you are more than enough, Lord. You're more than enough. You're the great I am. Everything we could ever want or need, you are. And we thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that you are a father to the fatherless. That you're a husband to the husbandless. That you are a defender. That you're our advocate. That you are great and mighty in power. That you are a great counselor. A wonderful counselor. That you are an everlasting father. Everlasting. That you are a prince of peace. Lord, there's so many here tonight that need peace. I pray that you would just shower them, prince of peace. With the shalom of God. Lord, I thank you for your majesty. I thank you that you are magnificent, that you are fairer than 10,000, that you are our deliverer, that you are our redeemer, that you are our Messiah, that you are our friend. Our friend. Lord, we, we want to be a friend of God. You call us that, Lord. Thank you that you take great delight in us and that our love for you ravishes your heart. Thank you that before a word is on our lips, you know it completely, that you hem us in behind and before and your hand is upon us. Thank you that everyone here, you have knit together in their mama's womb, that you designed them, that you created them. Oh, Lord God, that you've got plans for them and they're to prosper them and not to harm them. They're to give them a hope and a future. Thank you that you're with us like a mighty warrior. Thank you that you just tell us to stand still. And watch the deliverance of the Lord. That, that we don't need to strive. That we don't need to work. That, that we don't need to, to fight our own battles. Thank you that we have the mind of Christ. I pray for the minds that are being tormented tonight. That are not at peace. That, that, that are, are full of anxiety and fear and worry. Lord God, I thank you that they have the mind of Christ. And that they do not have a spirit of fear. That they've got a sound mind and they have a spirit of power. We just give you praise tonight, Lord. We give you praise. Lord, we don't praise you nearly enough. We praise you, Lord. We, we, we praise you. I pray, Father God, that you'd help us to love you more. We don't, we don't love you nearly enough, Lord. Teach us how to love you more, love you better, Lord God. I, I thank you that you love us. You love us with an everlasting, unfailing love. But, oh, Lord God, we want to know how to love you better. 
I pray, Father God, that you'd turn our eyes from the lusts of this world and the things of this world that, that try to lure us and draw us away from you, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed and focused on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We just praise you, Lord. We praise you. We give you praise and honor and glory that you do cover us. You cover us, Lord. That we're safe with you. That we're under the protection of your wing. That you are our refuge. That you're our stronghold. That you're our great and mighty help in times of trouble. I thank you that though a thousand fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, that none will come near us. Oh, Lord God, teach us how to make you our refuge. Teach us how to stay hidden in you. I thank you that we are hidden in Christ, that we are seated in the heavenlies with you, Lord, with you. I thank you that no weapon formed against us can prosper. I thank you that tonight in this place, Lord God, no weapon formed against us, against this message, against your word going forth can prosper. I thank you that your word will go forth and it will prosper for the very thing that you sent it to do. It will not return void. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that you've made my mouth like a sharpened sword, like a pen in the hand of a skillful writer. I thank you that I'm a polished arrow, Lord God, and I pray that you'd shoot me forth tonight in this place. And Father, that your word would go forth in power, in authority, and with great confidence and boldness, Lord God. I thank you that you hover, Lord beginning of Genesis starts out with the spirit hovering and you haven't ended it Lord and I pray that you'd hover over every one of us tonight that you'd break strongholds that you'd shatter uh, bondages Lord God that chains that have been holding people for years would fall off tonight that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better that you'd enlighten the eyes of our heart Lord God and that we would hear your voice like we've never heard it before oh Lord God be exalted in this place. Be mighty in this place. We lift you up and we give you praise and honor and glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Psalm 91. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10 tonight. I'm not going to stay there, however. I want to read it to you, and, uh, but we're not going to park there. I, I want to just explain it briefly and then move on to another passage that I think will, will give you a little more clarity and a little more understanding. But Psalm 91, verses uh, 9 and 10. Because, somebody say because. Here we have again the condition. Hey, I think it's interesting that verse 1 now is coming down to verse 9. In case we've forgotten it in the past eight verses, he's reminding us again, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Remember, this passage, this chapter, is all conditioned on that, 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 little, that, that little thing there. You, you must make him your dwelling place for this passage to apply to you. You have to run to him for refuge for this passage to apply to you. He says, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. Now, now I just want to explain that to you because I think it's gotten taken out of context a whole lot in the Christian community. I think people stand on this scripture and they say, oh no, no evil can come near me. No plague can come near my dwelling place. You can't touch me with that. And we, we, we use that as a manipulation that no evil can come upon us. And then when it does, we question whether or not God loves us. Can I just tell you that it doesn't mean no evil is going to come to you. If that was the case, Jesus would not have had to die on a cross. We wouldn't see his disciples suffering death the way they did. We wouldn't have seen uh, Paul being beaten. If no evil was going to touch us, then you've got to take the New Testament and pretty much throw it away because that's what we see is evil. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have it. 
So, so those of you who stand on the scripture and say, evil, you can't touch me because of this. You, you, you're, you're quoting the scripture wrong. You can challenge me with that. I really don't care. I've done the study. I'm telling you what I believe. Find out what you believe. I don't really care. I'm telling you, I'm, I've got the pulpit. I'm going to tell you what I believe. And I believe that we can't say, oh, you can't come near my dwelling. I, you can say it, but, but, I, but I think what you're saying is a bit, just a bit out of context. Because that word evil, it means evil. It, it means evil like we think of it, but it also means to injure. It, it means to, um, I, I just want to get this right, it means to give pain, unhappiness, misery, and injury. And no plague, that word plague does mean disease, but I really like this one. It means to mark, to, to, to stroke. It means a blemish, a mark, a stroke. And I love that. That's what I want to focus on is that word mark. What he's really saying here is if you make the Lord your dwelling place, if you make him your refuge, evil might come, but it's not going to injure you. Evil might come, but it's not going to mark you. Evil's, evil might come, but it doesn't have to blemish your life for the rest of your life. You see, some of you, evil came when you were just a little boy or you were just a little girl, and you're still marked by it. You're still carrying the injury from it. And can I just tell you that when you make the Lord the most high, your dwelling place, that evil that came to touch you, that came to, to hinder your life, that came upon you, befell you, does not have to mark you. It doesn't have to blemish your life for the rest of your life here on earth. It doesn't have to injure you. That, my friends, is how I interpret that scripture. It doesn't mean my life is never going to be touched by those things. Oh, can I tell you, if that's what it means, I, I really am messing up this scripture because I've been touched by some of it. Anybody here been touched by some evil? Uh, I will tell you, if that's what it means, we're misquoting this. If that's what it means, then what are you going to say to Jesus who all of evil came upon him? What are you going to say to a disciple who got crucified upside down? That sounds pretty evil to me. I love the scripture that says what you meant for evil, God meant for good. It means he's the redeemer of all things, of all things. He will redeem all things and turn it around and use it for your good and his glory. But, but I will just tell you that you need to be mindful of because you have made the most high your dwelling place. That's a condition. You see, that means that we can be a believer, and, and I believe this. I lived there for most of my life. We can be a believer who is not dwelling in his presence. And, and if that's the case, we can be profoundly affected by evil. That's where I spent most of, my, most of the years of my life, still a believer, believing I'm going to heaven, but really not knowing what it meant to dwell, not really knowing what it meant to come underneath his protection. And I will tell you, a lot of evil befell me, and it touched me, and it injured me. It still befalls me. It still tries to touch me, but it does not injure me nearly, nearly as easily today. But it is possible, dear ones, to be a believer who is not dwelling in his presence. And if that's the case, you will be profoundly affected by evil. It will touch you. Because it's only when we're dwelling in his presence that we have the protection from that. Turn over to Proverbs. Proverbs is right after Psalms. Uh, Proverbs 1, verse 33. He says, but whoever listens to me will dwell, inhabit, live safely. And will be secure without the fear of evil. Whoever does what? listens to me. Look at that. Whoever listens to me. Uh, you, you, we see we're called to not just be hearers of the word, listen. We're called to be doers of the word. That word listen, it doesn't just mean, it means Kendall, listen to me. Obey me is what that really means. And, and whoever listens to me will dwell in safe, safety and will be secure without the fear of evil. I want you to turn over now to 1 Corinthians. There's Acts and then there's Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians 3. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn here because I really want to spend the rest of the night focusing on this scripture. 
It's profound. I, I just love it. Dave and I have been talking about it all week long. It, I, I, I quoted a bit of it to you last week and the week before, but, but I want to just read through that part quickly and get to, to another portion of this chapter that I really want to focus on. Verse 1 in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal that word carnal, it means living according to the flesh, according to the soul. If you will recall uh, months ago, uh, for those of you that weren't here, let's just do a quick overview. Okay, can you two come up here, Karen? And, and Sweet girl, how are you? Come on up here. I just want to use, I want to just use you to just go over this one more time. Uh, you'll recall that, that we talked about this months ago, the spirit, the soul, and the, and the, the flesh, the body. And I, taught, I told you that we are a three-part person. We, we have a body. We are a spirit. When you're born again, you get, your spirit gets born again. It, it's a new man. Your new man now is in your spirit man. But we have a soul. That word soul is mind, your will, your emotions, your feelings. Got me? So, so we are a spirit. We have a soul. Karen will be my soul. And we live in a body flesh. The body was never meant to control us. It was just meant to, 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 inhabit, to, to hold our spirit. You see, we are all spirit beings. If, if we didn't have this body, we would all be spirits. That's the part that's going to heaven. And, and, and our, our spirit, we're all spirits. Can I just tell you, it's just we have a body that we're living in. You get to see me because I have a body, okay? But I also have a soul, a mind, a will, emotions, my personality, my feelings. So, uh, so many of us are governed by that. How many of you can sometimes, uh, maybe I'll just make myself guilty, that we can, be cover, we can be governed by our feelings, our emotions. I'm working very hard to not let that happen in my life. I've got some strong feelings. I've got some, I'm an emotional woman. And sometimes my emotions can control my life. It was never meant to be that way. God said, I, I, I made you a born-again spirit. That, that's where this, the spirit of God lives. He's born again in me, in my spirit. And, and I have a soul, my mind, my will, emotions. I live in a body. And I'm afraid sometimes that we as Christians, we let the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions run our life. We put him on the throne and we say, come on, body. He attaches to the body and he says, you go where I tell you to go and you do what I tell you to do. And the spirit is back here saying, you who? And, and we get bossed. I, I remember my daughter when she was playing basketball, the coach would say, boss the ball. Uh, Terry, boss the ball. And, and, and we get bossed by the soul. The soul tells the flesh where to go and lives it out through the flesh. And the spirit just tags along for the ride. It was never meant to be that way. But as Christians living carnally, that's what it looks like. The spirit is still here. You're going to go to heaven. You've got the spirit of God living within you. You're not letting him rule. You're not being led by the spirit. You're being led by the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions. And God wants it to be, hey, I am. <laughs> I'm the boss here. And, and you just be quiet right here. Zip the lips, Miss Emotion. Mr. Feeling, zip the lips, and you just come along for the ride, and I'll tell you what to do. And, and Mr. Flesh, don't even think you're going to act out because I'm in charge here. Are you following me? Carnal Christians do it this way. Spiritual Christians do it this way. Is it clear? Yeah, okay. Thanks, guys. All right, so he says, And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as to babes in Christ. And that word babe, I, I just love it. It means what you think, a baby. It means an infant. It means childish. But here's what I loved. It, I'm taking it right out, of the, right out of the Greek dictionary. It means untaught. I, I know that I preach this to you all the time, but I am not going to preach to you as a babe. I'm going to call you up higher. I'm going to teach you like, like a spiritual person. I, I want to grow up in Christ, and you're just going to come along with me because I'm tired of being a babe. And it means untaught or, or unskilled. And he said, I had to treat you like babes in Christ. I fed you, and that word means to imbibe. We talked about that a number of, of weeks ago. And that means to saturate your mind. 
I saturated your mind, or I fed you with milk. And if you look up that word milk in the Greek dictionary, it will say less difficult spiritual truths. Oh, does that get to anybody besides me? I had, you're a babe. You're just an infant. You're untaught. You're unskilled. And so I can't, I can't tell you the deep things of Christ. I got to tell you the less difficult spiritual truths. Does that make anybody feel proud in this room? That's not who I want to be. But he says, because you have not grown up, I've got to just give you the less difficult spiritual truths. You see, that's why some people leave Monday night. Because they say, she's too deep for me, or, or she's pounding that get with Jesus stuff, and that's just too super spiritual for me. Or I really, I feel guilty when I leave there. I shouldn't feel guilty when I leave. Yes, you should. If you're not convicted to change, there's something wrong with the message that's coming from the pulpit. We should want to look more like him. We should be challenged to change. We should be transformed by the renewing of our mind in this word. It should challenge us to change. But you see, because we're babes, we say, I'm getting out of there. I can't go to that Monday night study. It's because you're a baby. You just want less difficult spiritual truths. And you're in the wrong place. I'm just not going to do it. Maybe I do. For some of you, maybe it is less difficult. Maybe you're like, she just treats me like a baby because it's because I am then. But, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you, look at this. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. What happens to an infant baby if you try to give them steak? They'll choke. So, so I wasn't able to give you solid food because you were not able to receive it, and even now you're not able, for you are still carnal. Look at what he says makes us carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions, divisions. Can, can I just stop and tell you that I know some of you. There are divisions sitting right across the aisle from each other. What does he say you are? Babes, carnal. If there are divisions and strife and, and envy among you. Some of you sit in the pew and you're envious of somebody you see here. Come on, grow up. Do you not know that you are made in the image of God, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has plans for your life. There's a call on your life that you've been chosen. Get your eyes off somebody else and being jealous and envious of their call and start asking God what amazing thing he wants to do with your life. Grow up. I'm just, grow up. I'm talking to myself. I'm preaching to myself to... to you are, not, you are not carnal, and are you not carnal and behaving like what? Mere men. Just mere men. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you have believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to give increase tonight. Nor he who waters, but it is God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. That's, here's what burns me off. Pastors who are in competition with each other. People who are afraid to recommend that somebody goes to somebody else's church. Oh, they're stealing sheep. That's ridiculous. Paul was saying, Apollos and I are one. We're playing on the same team. There's no competition here. Can, can I tell you there's no competition? Uh, we're all on the same team, Paul's saying. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. We're God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation that another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. I'm getting to what I want to talk to you about. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is in Jesus Christ. Okay, what is the foundation of our life? Jesus Christ. The foundation, those of you men, especially you'll know this. I remember when we were building our house. It was so important for Dave when they laid the foundation to go over and check it out. I was like, it is a hole in the ground. And he'd be like, Rhea, I want to check out the foundation. He understood that if the foundation is not solid, the house will crumble. That's why scripture says a wise man builds his house upon the rock, but a foolish man builds it upon the sand, a foundation that's not solid. Because when the winds come, when the storms come, what happens to the house on sand? It crumbles. 
What happens to the house built on a solid foundation? It stays standing. And so he's saying it's important that you get the foundation right. It's Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, I I need to tell you you're building on a shaky foundation. Your house is going to crumble. You need Jesus. He is the foundation. When I was living in Ohio, there, there was this really nice, uh, Jack Nicholas has a, a golf course there, and, and, and I was looking at buying a house on this golf course, and, and nobody could afford it. And, but my realtor found this house that was priced like unbelievably cheap, and, and I, could, uh, I thought we could afford it. And so we went over to look at this house, and it was absolutely gorgeous. It was, it was this unbelievable house, and, and it was, uh, the square footage was unbelievable. It was right on the golf hole, and it was just unbelievable. And, and so we, we went through it, and we were ready to put an, an offer on that house, and, and our builder says, no, 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 you, you don't want this house. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I want this house. It's gorgeous. Look at it, and the price tag is just right, and I can't even buy in this dumpy neighborhood down the street for that price, and, and of course we want this house. We want, you need to write the offer. That's your job. You just write the offer. She said, Rhea, I want you to come down in the basement and look at something, and she took us down in the basement, and there was a big old crack in the foundation. She said, you do not want this house. And she began to take us up the next, to the next level, and she showed us cracks in the wall and, and how the walls had been moving. And, and she said, if you don't get the foundation right, the house, is, the house is worthless. And he says, there is no other foundation than Jesus Christ. Now, this is what I want you to see, verse 13, or on verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, Jesus Christ, with gold, silver, precious stones, or what? Wood, hay, and straw. There's a big difference there, isn't there? Gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw. What happens to wood, hay, and straw when a fire comes? It gets burned up. What happens to gold or silver? It it gets refined. That's right. It gets stronger. And, And so he says, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now, that's a lot to read, but here's what I just want, I want to tell you. I want you to look at what he says. What are you building on? Are you building, number one, on Jesus Christ? And if you're building on him, how many of us can say, I'm building on Christ? I'm, I've been building on him. I spent most of my life building on him. But I didn't always use costly gems. I didn't always use gold or silver. I'm telling you, some of the building products I used were wood, hay, and stubble. That they were things of this world. They really were not good quality products. <laughs> uh, when we were building our home, we looked on it. We looked into builders, and we wanted to know what kind of products they used to build. What what kind of are, are they using particle board? Are are they using a good good? Uh, you know what what did the boards look like? Were they bowed when they used them? Well, what we, Dave inspected those things. That was important to him because he knew he wanted a house that was built with quality. And some of us are satisfied with wood, hay, and stubble. Some of us are just going through the motions. We're coming to church. We're, you know, occasionally we'll open our Bible. And, you know, we, we were just, you know, one foot in heaven and one foot in the world. Wood, hay, and stubble. That's what we're building with there. But, but when you get in that secret place, you begin to build with costly stones. You begin to build with silver and with gold, with lasting building products. That's what my house is being built on. I'm telling you, I've spent most of my life building with garbage, try, trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven and building my house. And, it, you know, it's a wobbly house. And now the Lord has said to me, Rhea, I want you to take this walk seriously. Oh, never forget the, the, the brevity of life, the, the, the certainty of death or the length of eternity, Rhea. There's an eternity coming, and what are you building on? 
Is it more important for you to chase after the lusts of this world, Rhea, than it is for you to chase after the things of heaven that will build a home, a temple for me on good stuff? Do you want him to live in a good house? And so he says, no matter what you're building on, it's going to be revealed. The fire, somebody say, evil will befall you. That, that, that word fire there, the fire will come and reveal. That, that means, I just love this. That, that, that word fire, I want to get it right because it's just, oh, it's just so good. Oh, Lord, where is it at? It means fire of hell. You see, no evil will befall you. Back to Psalm 91. Are you still with me? No evil will befall you. <laughs> Sometimes, ha has anybody here ever experienced the fire of hell? When hell unleashes everything it has at you to try to bring you down. Anybody ever been there in their life? I've been there. I know what it's like when all of hell loads every arsenal they have and lets it out on you. I understand what that's like. I remember going through, I was talking to Dave about this. I, I remember going through a time in my life where I, honest to goodness, did not know if I was going to get back up. That, that all of hell had unleashed an arsenal of weapon on me and knocked me to the ground and I just didn't know how I could get back up. My life was shaken and everything that could be shaken was shaken. And all that was left was what was built that was good. And I remember sitting at my kitchen table and just, just, oh, just, just, just sinking into the word. And, and every moment I had, I was in the word. And, and I was just, it was, I needed it like I needed the next, next breath I took. And I didn't even know how I was going to get out of bed the next morning. And I needed the strength of God. I ran to him because when you need him, you will run to him. Can I tell you, when he's all you have, you will find he's all you need. And I ran to him during those times. And, and I began to build what was shaky was now getting stronger. And, and I, I'm telling you, I, the fire came. The fire came. And I realized what I was building on was shaky ground. That the foundation was solid. I was going to heaven, but that was about it. And I'm telling you, the fire of hell will come. Because God's going to test us. That word test means to prove genuine. Oh, do you want him to be able to prove you genuine? I want that more than anything in this world. I want him to be able to say that, Rhea Briscoe, go ahead and unload it, Satan, because she is genuine. Go ahead and bring the fire of hell, because when you're done with her, she's going to be standing strong, because what's building her is lasting. It's lasting. Bring the fire. It doesn't matter. It's staying. She's staying with her feet on the ground. I'm telling you, that's what I want in my life. Do you not want that? That all hell, that, that all evil can befall me, but it's not going to injure me. It's not going to mark me. It's not going to destroy me. And it's not blemishing my life. Do you not want that? That's found in that secret place. It's found dwelling, inhabiting, living in that most high place. Oh, this week my children were home for Thanksgiving. And so, so my, uh, my daughters were home. Christy was home from Minnesota. And Brooke was home from California. And Brooke, you know, Christy's neat and tidy, and Brooke's a little messy, and I love those girls more than I love my life. I just can't even tell you how much I love them, and, and so don't get me wrong, I, I adore them, but Brooke is a little clutter, clutter bug. I, everywhere she goes, she leaves a mess behind, and her mama, I like a neat house. I'm just not even going to lie. I, I like a neat house, and you know, when there's just three of you in a house, you, you can put your dishes in the dishwasher right away. There's never any dishes in our sink. And it's easy to pick up after that many people. And my house is pretty neat and tidy. And Brooke comes home and that changes. And I just don't understand why she just can't put her stuff away, but she can't. And it doesn't matter because I love her. And who knows, it doesn't matter. When you love your kids, you can overlook some stuff. But, but I will tell you, she's a clutter bug. And, and I got up uh, the other morning, and I went down to the table, and I, I made a cup of coffee, and I happened to look at the sink, and it was piled full of dishes, not just dishes, but dishes that weren't even rinsed. So, so you know, it had the hard stuff on it. And, and, and I was like, oh, Brookie. And I looked in the den, and, and there was, you know, the blanket was all thrown over, and, and the remotes, remotes were everywhere. Dave has about 500 remotes, and they were all over the place, and, and the room just looked nasty, and pillows everywhere. And I was like, oh, how many more days? And, and <laughs> I'm seasoned. I love her. 
Um, I love her, even if she is messy. But, but she's my messy one. And, and, and so I was standing at the, the, the counter, and I was making my coffee. And I went over, and I sat down at the table, and I said, Oh, Lord, I have no idea what we're going to teach on Monday night, but can I just tell you, Lord, I, I want it to be a download from you. I don't, I don't want it to be a message of man. I don't want it to be a message out of a commentary that I read. I want it to be from you, Lord. I want you to speak to me. So I'm just going to sit here, and I'm just going to listen. And all I heard was Brooke, Brooke. And I'm like, Lord, I love her. I really don't care if there are dishes in the sink. Brooke, and I could not even get focused. All I could hear is Brooke in my mind. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want? And, and I heard him say, you come home. She came home. When she comes home from college, she says, I'm coming home. And, and she came home and she brought her clutter with her. And it was strewn all over my house. And, and he said, Rhea, when you come home, because you see, that's what the word inhabit means. It means to find your home, be at home in God. When you come home in me, Rhea, you bring your clutter with you everywhere you go. You just leave it strewn all over my temple. You got your clutter all over, Rhea. And just like you love Brooke and you really don't care and you'll just deal with the clutter. That's how I am, Rhea. But, but can we just deal with this clutter? Can we just look at it rather than let it strewn all over your temple, all over my house? Who's got some clutter in his house? You are God's building and he wants you to be at home in him. But who knows? We've got some clutter and some of us are building with that clutter in our life, and the fire is going to come. It's going to come. And that clutter is what's going to be burned away because he wants to prove us. He wants to test us. He, 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 wants, he wants us to be uh, pure and holy before him. He wants us to mature and to grow up and not act like carnal Christians, babes in Christ, but to grow up and have some solid food. I, it scares me. That scripture scares me a bit. Dave and I were talking about it, and he said, and we were saying, I said, Davey, it says that, that, that you'll escape through the flames. Everything will be burned off. <laughs> Nothing will be lasting. And you'll get to heaven, but it'll just be by the skin of your teeth, basically. And you see, what scares me is that for many years of my life, I lived in that place. I was saved. I was going to heaven, but I was living like hell to get, till I got there. Do you know that that's possible? It's possible to never really get to that place of dwelling with him. It's possible to visit on Sunday morning, really feel like you're, you're doing your Christian thing and, and still be saved and probably going to heaven, but, but man, by the skin of our teeth. And he says, you know what, when the fire comes, it will be revealed. And that word revealed shook me to the core this week. I, I want to read the definition to you of revealed. It, it means to uncover, to lay open what has been veiled or covered up, to make known. He's saying, you're building your Christian life, but the fire's going to come, and I'm going to uncover What's been veiled? You see, we try to look super spiritual and all put together on the outside. And how you doing, brother? Praise the Lord. Let me quote you some scripture and I'll pray with you. And, and we try to look hotsy-totsy, super spiritual. But the word of God says, you, you know what? You can fool some of the people some of the time, but you cannot fool me. The fire is going to come and I am gonna, I'm going to burn away and I'm going to uncover and I'm going to reveal what has been hidden and what's really in there. Oh, that scared me. Did that scare anybody else besides me? I want them to prove me genuine. I want the fire to be able to come. And, and I, want, I want them to say, unleash it. Unleash it in her life. But nothing's going to get burned away. She is the real deal. Do you not want that in your life? Well, maybe you don't. Keep, keep nursing. Keep sucking on the bottle then. I want me some steak. Turn over to, to Luke chapter 4. I want a work that endures. 
No evil will befall you. It can come at you, but it's not going to destroy you. Uh, uh, he can send the fire, but, but it's not going, you're not falling for it. It's not going to take you down. You see, that's what he's trying to do. Can, can I just tell you that the enemy's goal is to keep you out of that secret place. The enemy's goal is to keep you not from dwelling with God. He wants to lure you out. He wants to get you operating, not in the, not in the spirit, but he wants you operating in the soul. You see, when we're in the secret place, we are in that body, soul, and spirit. We are in the spirit. We're being led by the spirit. But he wants us to not live in that place, and he will do whatever he wants. If you don't hear me say anything else tonight, hear me say this. The whole goal of Psalm 91 is to stay in that place where you are being led by the Spirit, where you are dwelling with God. Dave said, Rhea, what's the difference between God dwelling in you and you dwelling in him? What's the difference? And I, I want you to think about that this week and, and really ask him to show you. You see, because when he came into you, when, when you received him as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit came and lived within you. He's dwelling in you. But yet he tells us he wants us to dwell in him. How does that work if you're already in me? I believe it's that spirit, soul, and body thing. I believe it's, Rhea, I want you to get to that place where you nuzzle down in me and you let me rule. Where you are so hidden in me and so walking in the spirit, that's a place of protection, isn't it? When we walk in the spirit and are controlled by the spirit, that's a place of protection. But when we walk by the flesh, you see the Bible talks about the fruits of the flesh. They're ugly. When we walk by the flesh, that's, out, that's outside his umbrella of protection, isn't it? That's Psalm 91. Are you following me? He wants us to be led by the spirit. Not just him living in us, us living in him. Take my life and rule it. My soul's in you, Lord. My mind's under your, your rule. My mind's hidden in you. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not going to be run, run by my feelings. I'm not going to be run by my emotions. My, my flesh is hidden in you. It's not going to go wild and do what it wants to do. Yet we're in you, Lord. Now you just lead us by your spirit. Follow me? So now, Luke chapter 4. And I promise I'm finishing. I was fascinated by this this week. Then Jesus, now remember, this is taking place right after Jesus was baptized. Now, you'll remember the story that when Jesus was baptized, what happened? A voice from heaven came and he said, this is my beloved son. He's mine. And in him, I am well pleased. I, I love that because I'm a doer. I'm a striver. And I love that Jesus didn't do one thing in ministry at that point, And God was already pleased with him. Can I tell you, it's not about what you do. He is well pleased with you right now. In the situation you're in, whatever you're doing, I prayed with a, with a young man. Leslie and I prayed with a young man yesterday, and, and he's beaten down, and he's, he has a life of regret and things he wishes he hadn't done, and, and he's sad. And, and I looked at him, and, and I took him by the chin, and I said, can I just tell you that God is pleased with you? And he kind of rolled his eyes, and I said, no, you, you need to hear me. God is pleased with you. I said, no matter what you've done, God is pleased with you. Right now, he's pleased with you. See, some of you need to know that because you think if you just do something, God might be pleased with you. He's pleased with you. He's pleased. You're his. What is man that he's mindful of us? I don't know, but he's pleased with us. He's pleased. He's pleased just because you're his. Yeah, my, my kids do wrong. My kids do things that don't make me happy. But I'm so pleased with them. They're mine. I love them. They, they can be ugly. They can do nasty things. But I just, I'm pleased with them just because they're mine. I love them. He's pleased with you. So all of heaven opens up and this voice comes. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He, a mountaintop. And then the word says, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Look at that word led. He was led. That word literally means driven. He was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being tempted, tempted, tried, tested for 40 days by the devil. I want you to look. 
that the Spirit led him into that wilderness, into that barren, dry place. I think it's Mark that says he lived among the wild beasts. It's not a pleasant place. See, some of you are in a wilderness right now. It's not a pleasant place. Can I tell you, it's possible that the Spirit led you there. There's something he wants to do in you in that wilderness that maybe he can't do some, someplace else. Somebody said to me a number of years ago, Rhea, if you could go back and change your life, would you? I said, oh, no, not if I had to give up what I learned about Christ coming through it. You see, there's just some things you can't learn outside the wilderness. There's some things you can't learn outside the fire. Some things you only learn going through the fire and it's burned into you. He led him into the wilderness to be tempted tried, tested by the enemy for 40 days. In those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. He was hungry. And the devil said to him, if, <laughs> don't miss it. If you're right in your Bible, circle that word if. If you are the Son of God, if. First thing he comes at is his identity. I know you think you're the Son of God, but you know what? I know you think he loves you. I know you think he's well pleased with you. He's, he's getting him to question his sonship. He's getting him to question his identity. You see, some of you, that's where you're at right now. The enemy is, is, is constantly at you. Oh, you, God, you're not good enough for God. You can't be his child. You've done too many bad things. He really doesn't love you. And he gets to you to question your identity. Look, right out the gate, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. So in other words, Jesus, you're hungry. I'm going to get you where you're vulnerable because that's where the enemy always gets us. That's when all of hell gets unleashed before us. That's, that, that's where evil tries to befall us, where we're weak, where we're vulnerable. Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. The word says he was hungry, and the devil comes to him, and he says, not only if you're the son of God, but, but you know what? If you're so hotsy-totsy, take these stones and turn them into bread. Satisfy your hunger. Fill those cravings in you, Jesus. Take the easy way out. God will forgive you. Isn't that what he does to us? Go ahead. Take that drink. Satisfy your craving. Satisfy your hunger. Look at that pornographic site, website. Satisfy the urge in you. You know what? God will forgive you. It's okay. Come on. Tempt. Try. Prove. Prove genuine. <laughs> and the fire comes. Satisfy that craving. Satisfy that urge. What does Jesus say? He fights back with the word. That's why I, I constantly am saying to you, we've got to get this word in us. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If Jesus has to use the word to fight the devil, why do we think we're any different? Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. What's he come at him next? Power, glory, uh, uh, you know, look hotsy-totsy. This can all be yours. Take the easy way out. You don't have to go to the cross. This can all be yours right now. You don't humble yourself. You don't have to be a servant. All this could be yours. Power, position, that's what he does to us. Make yourself known. Don't humble yourself. Don't be kind. Don't love that husband one he's unlovable. Don't be faithful to that wife. You can have power. You can have authority. You can have position. Just worship me. Bow down to this world. Jesus said, no, I'm here on a mission. I worship God and him alone. I'm doing his work, not yours. This isn't about what's going to please me. I've got my eyes focused. I'm on a mission to please God. You see, if Jesus was on a mission to please God, if Jesus didn't even, when he had the power to please himself, didn't even take it, why do we? Why do we? Because we've been tempted. This is the temptation of Christ. Verse 9, then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if, here it is again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels, is what we're going to look at next week, he shall give his angels charge over you. Notice he uses Psalm 91 here. The devil can quote scripture. 
Hey, he can quote it. He knows it. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. What you'll find out next week is while he knows Scripture, he left just a tiny bit out in all your ways, in all God's ways, not, not in all your ways. In other words, when you take it out of, out of God's hand and put it into yours, when you do what you want to do instead of God, don't expect his protection to be there. But the enemy left that small detail out. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. Can I, can I just tell you? He'll wait for a more opportune time. He, he knows when it's opportune in your life. When he can, he can unleash evil against you and win. Do, do you see, I gave you that scripture not to confuse you, just to try to pull it back to Psalm 91. What I want you to see there is the devil was doing to Jesus what he does to us all the time. He's trying to get Jesus to function from his soul, from his mind, his will, his emotions. You're hungry, Jesus. Feed it. Uh, Jesus, you, you can have power. But come on, do it. Uh, Jesus, throw yourself down here. Prove. Ask God to prove that he loves you. Let's just see if he'll protect you. You see it? He's trying to get Jesus to function from his soul, his mind, his will, his emotions. And he's saying, I, if I can just get him to do that. You see, the devil understood and God knew that if Jesus was going to cave after 40 days of not eating, he would certainly cave on the cross of Calvary. No sense you go to the cross if you can't handle 40 days without eating, Jesus. If you're going to satisfy your hunger, if you're going to, you know, end your suffering after 40 days to turn a rock into bread, you'll never make it on the cross. I'm just telling you, for some of us, for all of us, he is calling us to a higher place. If he can't trust you with a little temptation from the devil, he can't, he can't launch you into that next assignment. I got that this week. I got it like I've never gotten anything else. You see, the devil unleashed something in my life. He tried, this evil came, and it tried to befall me. And I said, you know what? I got a destiny. I got someplace I believe he's taken me. I'm going to the next level, and I am not falling for this. I'm not falling for this. And you see, we've got to get wise. We're not unaware of the enemy's schemes. And we've got to think like Jesus thinks. You know what? I, th I could I could cave. I could satisfy my temporary needs here. I could feed my flesh and function from my soul. But I got a spirit in me. And I'm choosing to tap into that instead of tapping into my soul. Do you see it? And that's why, dear ones, no evil will befall you. It can't touch you. It can't injure you. Because you're functioning from that place, not of your soul, your flesh, your, your, your will, your emotions. You see, emotions is what gets you in an affair. Feelings is what gets you in I felt like it. Well, dear one, you are not motivated by your feelings. Faith is what should be motivating you. The bigger picture. Oh, we want to drive through Christianity. Uh, satisfaction, a microwave Christianity. I want what I want when I want to get it. That's not how it is. Jesus could have caved in all that temptation and for a moment gotten satisfaction, but the long term would have been ruined. You and I, for a moment, could, could build with wood, hay, and stubble, but when the fire comes, it's going to be ruined. And we're going to escape like through the skin of our teeth. And we're not going to have any reward. The word says that you'll suffer loss. <laughs> See, some of you are sitting here suffering a lot of loss. I've had a lot of loss in my life because I built with wood, hay, and stubble. And that stuff got burned away. I remember when I was going through that difficult time, I had taken my Bible and, and I opened it up and I was sitting on my basement stairs and I was reading it. And I read a passage that said, everything that I treasured lies in ruins at my feet. And I said, Lord, that's how I feel. Like everything in this life that I treasured is lying in ruins at my feet. And it's because I was building with wood, hay, and stubble. And all of that could get burned away. And I still had the Lord. But I'm telling you, everything else got burned away in my life. What are you building with? What are you building with that when all hell gets unleashed? When evil tries to befall you and injure you and mark you, that it is going to shake everything that can be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But everything that's built with precious stone, with gold, with silver, lasting materials, 
That's what's going to stay. Some of you are, are like, all she talks about is the time and the word. That's because that's costly material. You know what? You can take, you can take my clothing. You can take my bank account. You can take whatever car I'm working for. You can, my car has 180,000 miles on it. My daughter Christy got in the car today, and she said to me, oh, she said, how many miles does this car have on it? I said, I know I tell Daddy all the time. And he says, oh, it'll get probably another 100,000. I'm just telling you, that's, I mean, take my car. I don't care. I'm not working for a car anymore. I'm working for things that last. See, some of you are putting all your energy in wood, hay, and stubble, and it's going to be burned away. I may not have a fancy schmancy car. I may have to worry about it every time I go out. But I'm telling you what, I got me some word in me that can't be burned away. And when, the, when all evil tries to befall me, oh, that can't go. I can pull that out and wield the sword. You follow me? Am I, I'm all over the place tonight, but are you following my rabbit trail? What are you building? Are you building what lasts? Relationships last. That, that person, uh, we, we went into to uh, Red Robin today for lunch, and one of the waitresses came over and talked to me, and I had Christy and Brooke with me for lunch, and, and they started laughing, and they said, every restaurant we go to, you know these waiters and waitresses, and I said, that's because this is my mission field. I, I believe I give good tips because I'm usually reading my Bible at the, the counter. I want them to say, what does she have? I, 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 I sew into them because every place I go, I want to build on what's lasting, and a waitress at Red Robin and her soul is what's lasting. What are you building on? Your children. That's what's lasting. Your spouse. That's what's lasting. Your job, it'll be burned away. That could be gone tomorrow. That house that you're so worried, Rhea, about keeping clean, in 10 years is going to, you know, need repainted and the carpets are going to be black anyway. Does it really matter? Where are you investing your energy? Where are you investing your time? Where are you investing your money? That boat that you bought, do you know what that could have done in the kingdom? Do you have any idea what that money could have done in the kingdom? That's, that's stuff that lasts. That's gold. That's costly stones. That's silver. Wood, hay, and stubble. Now stop. Because you've made the most high your dwelling place. Because you've made him your refuge. No evil will befall you. Nor any plague come near your dwelling. The other morning I sat at the table, I told Dave this, and I believe in generational curses. Maybe some of you don't, but I believe that there are things, the Bible talks about the sins of the Father being handed down from generation to generation. I believe that there are generational curses. I believe that, that there are things that we reap because somebody way back then opened a door to the enemy and now it's being passed down from generation to generation. And so I sat at my table, I started to see some patterns in our family and I sat at my table the other day and I began to break some generational curses and I said it needs to stop here. I'm drawing the bloodline of Jesus and this thing is not going down through any more generations. It's stopping right here. Where was I going with that? Does anybody know? Me either. But it must have been for somebody because I have no idea where that just came from. Yeah, wow. Where was I? Do you have any idea? I don't know. Somebody should probably read about generational curses because that must be for somebody. <laughs> it didn't fit at all, but that must really be for somebody. Okay, Leslie, on the way in, Leslie got beside me, and she said, if God tells you to do something really weird, just do it. I, I've been praying for you, and I really, what, what did you say? Not weird. You said, uh, do something crazy. If God tells you to do something crazy, just do it. Don't worry about it. There you go, girlfriend. <laughs> Father, I thank you for these sweet men and women. I thank you that they're hungry for more of you. I thank you that they're faithful. 
Lord, you say that you're the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Lord, Lord, they're here diligently seeking you. They're here hungry for you. And I pray, Father, I pray that your manifest presence would be so real to them this week and that it be tangible, that they would encounter you in a way this week that they've never encountered you before, that you would become more real to them than you've ever been. Lord, that you would, not, that you would prove to them that you're not a far-off distant God, that you're a God who, who cares about everything that concerns them, that you want to perfect everything that concerns them, that you are with them that you're not going to leave them, that you're not going to forsake them, that, that they can call on you and you'll answer. And you'll tell them great and mighty things they don't know. Oh, show yourself strong in our lives this week, Lord. Teach us how to make you our dwelling. Teach us, Lord, what it really means to dwell with you so that no evil can befall us. Mind come at us but it can't injure us, can't mark us, can't blemish our life. Teach us, Lord. Continue to bring your scripture to light. Thank you that your word doesn't return void. It goes forth and prospers. I pray that the word that was spoken in this place tonight, Lord, would prosper throughout this whole week, that it would be in the forefront of their mind, that it be alive, that it be active. And that be stirring something in them, growing something in us, Lord, that the fire can't burn away. Bless them, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.